This is Walk to Wealth, episode 99. The journey to wealth is a long walk, and some may walk quicker than others, but what good is sprinting to the finish line if you pass out when you cross it? On Walk to Wealth, we enlighten and empower young adults to build wealthy, abundant lives. They say the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, and your first step starts right now. This is Walk to Wealth with your host, John Mendez. Are you ready to learn the secrets of success from one of the biggest entrepreneurs in the entire world? Well, if so, you're going to want to stay tuned for this one. This is probably one of the biggest guests I've ever brought on to the Walk to Wealth podcast. And it's perfect because this is right before episode 100. So say hello to David Meltzer. He has traveled across the world helping people unlock happiness and helping people become happier people because happier people do better for the world. And he has made it his mission to help a billion people. But it wasn't always this way. Yeah, well, I want to be a professional athlete. I thought I'd be a professional football player, although I am the tallest, fastest, and strongest person in my family's history. I would always tell you that I actually played college football. I was an average college football player, but the remarkable thing about my family is they were more surprised, my entire family, of all my cousins and relatives, that I played college football than if I graduated summa cum laude from Harvard. It was more common in my family, in my relative family, to graduate summa cum laude from an Ivy League school than to play sports, let alone in college, high school, or even beyond. So I love sports. It's always been the backbone uh, of what I've done. So although I never made it to the NFL, I have always taken the lessons that I've learned from playing sports, my philosophy in life to enjoy the consistent everyday, persistent without quit, pursuit of my potential come from my background in sports and my career has always had a backdrop of sports even before I became the CEO of the most notable sports agency in the world, Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, where they made the movie Jerry Maguire about our firm. And then Warren Moon, the Hall of Fame quarterback, and I spun off a global sports marketing company. And that led me to build my own brand with the experience that I had in technology as CEO of Samsung's phone division, as a sports agent with Lee Steinberg, as a marketing and branding person with Warren Moon, I leveraged over the last six years all of that into building my own brand, my own community via traditional and social media. And you've been able to take a, a very interesting path. And to segue into the, to the conversation a little bit more, there was one point in your journey which was similar to mine in a, in the sense that you went against your family's wishes when you graduated law school and pretty much decided to go with the publishing company, West Publishing, if, if I'm not mistaken. So tell us more about like, what was that like going against your family as well? A lot of my audience is like people my age, people that are trying to figure out and growing up with not a lot of money growing up, it's like we're kind of force fed that traditional path and not everyone wants to take it. So what was it like going against your family's wishes and how were you able to pu- push through and see to the other side? Yeah, well, I had a very strong family belief about doctor, lawyer, or failure. And it wasn't just my mom who, out of ignorant arrogance, meaning that she loves me so much, she was more afraid for me than she was for herself. So just because someone loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. And my mom's advice was doctor, lawyer, failure. So when I graduated law school and got a law job, what I 
maritime law, so oil and gas litigating job for $150,000 in 1992 plus bonus. And I turned it down to sell legal research on the internet in 1992. My mom literally said, this is a fad. The internet's never going to last. I taught you better than this. My uncles, my aunts, my grandparents, everybody's like, oh my God, he's making such a bad decision. Telling my mom even, putting more pressure on me, don't let him do it. But ironically, nine months out of law school, because of the internet, by the way, the internet was not a fad. It ended up being a big thing, the internet. And I was a millionaire nine months out of law school. Our exit in 1995 with West Publishing was 3.4 billion dollars with a B in 1995. Wasn't many of those exits back then, which propelled me and protected me and gave me a background. People would ask me, how do you end up with that job running Jerry Maguire's firm? How did you do that? Well, because unlike everyone else that was available for the CEO job of that sports agency, I was the only one that had a technology background at the highest level. Tons of people graduated law school. Tons of people were involved in sports and contracts and all the different capabilities and skills that are necessary to be a sports agent. But I was the only one that ran Samsung's phone division. I was the only one that raised hundreds of millions of dollars on Sand Hill Road. I was the only one that was involved in the internet since 1992, over 10 years of experience in the technology world. And Lee, the innovator that he was, saw the future of sports being directly tied into technology and media. And guess what? Here we are 20 years later, and you can see that uh, the wisdom and foresight and vision of Lee Steinberg to hire me because of that background compared to everyone else was an ingenious move because we both have accelerated our careers by understanding how sports is a backdrop to technology and media. Yeah, that's amazing. And you've been throughout your journey, been able to not only work with, but be, share stages with, speak with, collab with a bunch of the biggest entrepreneur household names that anyone, most people can spit off off the top of their head. Let me ask you, I feel like a lot of people ask for the secrets of success. I want to ask you, what are the secrets of failure? Because a lot of time if we can't recognize when we're failing, we don't realize that we're failing. So it's like for all of us that are just getting started, what are the, some of the, from all your experiences, what are the most common things that you see when people fail? Yeah. Well, the secrets of failing is number one, gratitude right? When you have the right perspective that you're pursuing your potential, the only way you could pursue your potential every day without quit is to have gratitude, to find what I call the light, the love, and the lessons in the struggle, Mm. to stay in the learning zone. You see, they don't call it learning if you know all the answers. So when we take tests and we don't make mistakes, we didn't learn anything. We're just executing on what we already know. And so for me, gratitude was the number one thing that I saw in failure mistakes and setbacks too, was forgiveness. A lot of people just beat the crap out of themselves for making mistakes. Not me. I forgive myself and that enables me to forgive others for making mistakes. Now, I try not to make them more than once, right? Because pain, setbacks and failures, they're indicators that you have a lesson to learn. I want to learn the lesson so the pain, mistake, and failure goes away. And forgiveness is the vehicle to take all of those pains away from you. The third thing that I find in failure is accountability. 
And this has evolved over the years since I've been your age. When I was your age, I saw accountability as responsibility, right? I'm responsible for this happening. What am I supposed to learn from it? And then through my 30s and 40s, I learned about the second stage of accountability, which is attraction. What did I do to attract this to myself, to aggregate it mm -hmm. in my life? And what am I supposed to learn for it, from it? Now, in my 50s, it's evolved to a third stage of accountability. Not only am I responsible learning lessons, attracting and learning lessons, but I'm really delving into what am I doing to participate in this perception? Knowing what reality is, my reality is my perspective based on gratitude and forgiveness. What am I doing to participate in this perception? And what am I supposed to learn from it? Which leads me to the fourth thing of failure, which is effectively communicating. And what that means is I'm going to use my intellect, intuition, and inspiration to connect to shifting the paradigm from I got to get more. I got to get more happy, more healthy, more wealthy, more worthy to I am. See, through gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability, I am happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. Utilizing my intellect, intuition, and inspiration to figure out what I'm doing to interfere with it and clear the interference between me and an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing, infinite, abundant, unified system of thought that I'm part and parcel to. In other words, I believe there's something bigger than me that loves me more than my mom. So I'm protected and promoted when the mistakes, failure, setback, and pain comes in my life. I'm not punished. You have such a poetic way of putting, putting all these acronyms and these all, all together. It's amazing. I think one of the biggest ones that you mentioned too is about perception too. Is like, how do I, am I playing into perception? And a lot of people don't realize, I, I was able, very fortunate to spend a day with Gary Keller. And he talks about first creation and second creation and how everything that we live in the, like the physical reality is something that we've already pretty much lived in our thoughts. So let me ask you then, how does one start to get even to start playing in this space because most people are kind of on autopilot. Most of us still at this age are still running off of what we were taught, what we were you grew up in, in the environment, stuff like that. How do we begin playing in this larger space so that we can begin shifting our lives and shifting the trajectory of where we're headed? I love that. And what a wise question from such a young man. So it shows you're doing the work and I want to commend you and anyone that's listening for that. And I'm going to tell you the five daily practices that allow you to not live as a tube. You see so many people today live as a tube, food in, food out. That's it. They, they live in a world of nothingness, man. And you, you can't live in the world of nothingness. And so for all your community, if you want these five daily practices and my book, I'll give it to you for free. Just email me, put it in the notes, david at dmelter.com. So here's the five things that allow you not to live like a tube. One, know what you want today in the trajectory, and you use that word, in the trajectory of what you think you want. And if you know what you want today in the trajectory of what you think you want in the future, your nothingness, your life as a tube turns into a possibility a mathematical advantage each day on a trajectory of what you think you want. Number two, know who you can help, but even more importantly, know who can help you. The fastest way to get to where you want to be is find someone like Gary Keller in a situation you want to be in and ask them for directions, taking your possibility and making it a probability. Another mathematical advantage in the trajectory of what you think you want. Thirdly, know how. By using lenses of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude, 
with the activities of your 24 hours that you're given, activities you have planned, you don't have planned, your sleep, activity you have paid for, activity you don't get paid for. Notice there's no work. There's no family time. It's just activity, activities. And I'm utilizing it with the lenses of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude to take my probability and make it that perspective that Gary and I talk about all the time. And so many other thought leaders talk about and entrepreneurs talk about the dreamers that are able to materialize and monetize into a perspective. Now, after those three lessons, possibility to probability to perspective, the prioritization process comes in as a fourth step. And I call it know your now and know your next. You see, if you know what to do now, not only does 100% of the things you do now get done, but you never procrastinate or feel overwhelmed. See, prioritization, knowing what's important to you, using a subset of urgency within the context of that prioritization, when you know what's important to you by knowing your what, your who, and your how, and you know your now and you know your next, you will have no feelings of overwhelmness. You'll have no feelings of procrastination. You actually will be the most efficient, effective, and statistically successful in your journey towards a trajectory of what you think you want. And then the final result, the fifth one that I'm going to send to everyone, if you email me with my book, I'll sign it, send it to you, pay for shipping, I don't care. But more importantly, when you know you're now and you're next, it becomes your reality because 100% of the things you do now get done. When you do it, say it, think it, believe it, and feel it, it gets done at the highest level of intention. You now, instead of in search of your passion, in search of your purpose, in search of your meaning, in search of your why, with so many young people are living like tubes, all in search of what they already have, you now can apply your why. You're applying your intellect, your intuition, and your inspiration. So not only are you more efficient, effective, and statistically successful, you're happier doing it because you're filled with intellect, intuition, and inspiration. You're filled with happiness. You make a lot of money. You help a lot of people and have a lot of fun by finding out what you're doing to interfere with it. Know your what, your who, your how. You will know your now and apply your why, and you will accelerate, aggregate, and compound the success of the journey on the trajectory of where you think you want to be. It's, that is jam-packed. I, now, I want to dive a little bit deeper on the prioritization part because you mentioned it too, but a lot of people that I talk to still, my friends, people I grew up with still, are, are trying to figure out what's their North Star. Like, how does, it's hard to prioritize when it's like, okay, I can do action, I can do a lot of things, but it's like, man, I don't really know where to go. So let me ask you, because you talk a lot about knowing in alignment and things like that. What are some easy, actionable steps that someone could take to start finding that North Star and start aligning their life in, in their actions with their grander vision or grander purpose, whatever it may be? Another enlightened, wise question. A lot of people don't know who they are. And so I always tell people, let's start, look within. So you can't find outside of you what you can't find inside of you. And at its pragmatic core, what's inside of you are your skills, your knowledge of who and what, and your desire. And so I want young people to take the time to take inventory of your skills, your knowledge, and your desire, and then align it with what's doing well today, what's stable today, or what you think is going to do well in the future. And when we take inventory of what's inside of us, 
we'll start finding it outside of us. It'll start aggregating, compounding, and accelerating in the trajectory of what we think we want. And to have the radical humility that you don't know what you don't know, and neither do your parents, and neither do your grandparents, aunts, uncles, and friends, they don't know what they don't know. There's only two types of people, ignorant people who don't know what they don't know, and ignorant people that don't know what they don't know. But the two types of ignorant people are humble ones that admit it, and they take inventory of their skills, their knowledge, and desire, and align it with what's doing well, what's stable, and what they think is going to do well, of what they think they want in the future, compared to the ignorant, arrogant people who know they don't know what they don't know, but pretend like they do, and then they project that onto others by giving them conditions and judgments and criteria that are not aligned with the skills, the knowledge, and desire of what's doing well, what's stable, and what you think is going to do well. And then it creates a separation of the ego-based consciousness, creating more fear of the past, regret and guilt, and more fear of the future, anxiety and worry, that creates resistance or interference between us and our potential. And so what I try to get people to do is to look within themselves, take inventory every day, take inventory of your skills, knowledge, and desire, align it with what you think you want, and it will accelerate the journey for you and allow you to be at ease, and it will dissolve, disappear, and dissipate the dis-ease that we cause by fear of the past or fear of the future. Man, that is amazing advice. David, where can we find you? I'm living proof. I got a copy myself. I've been yeah. reading it. Where could we find you at? Where can we connect you? You mentioned it earlier, but just drop it one more time so we could keep up with what you got going on. Yeah, use my name, David Meltzer, everywhere, every platform, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, it doesn't matter, YouTube, but also email me directly. I really want to send you the daily practices. I want to send you that book that you have. I'll sign it, send you, you pay for the book and shipping. So don't worry about that. I'll take care of it. David at dmeltzer.com. I answer all my emails myself. All you got to do is email me, DM me, reach out to me, ask for the book and the guides, david at dmeltzer.com. Amazing. And now it's time for a super fire, rapid fire round. I know we're coming short on the clock. Question number one, what is the most impactful lesson you've learned in life? Ask for help. Find someone that sits in the situation you want to be in. Ask for help. What is the most admirable trait a person can have? Kindness. Putting kindness into everything you do. If you had to change someone's life with one book, which book would you recommend? Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. What is the legacy that you're trying to leave behind? Be kind to your future self. Do good deeds. And if anyone wanted to embark on their walk to wealth today, what is the first step you recommend they take? Ask for help. Find someone in the situation you want to be in and ask them for help. Live in a value-add world, not a zero-sum game. You've now finished taking the first step. Now let us help you take the next one. Subscribe to our newsletter at walktowealth.com. That's walk2wealth.com so we can keep you moving on your journey. We'll see you on the next episode of Walk to Wealth with John Mendez.